This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of material properties from the basic science section on orthobullets.com. Biomaterials encompasses all synthetic and natural materials used during orthopedic procedures. Let's start this review of material properties by going over some basic definitions. Load is a force that acts on a body. Stress is defined as intensity of an internal force, and it is calculated by force over area. The units are pascals or newtons per meter squared. Strain is defined as the relative measure of the deformation of an object, and strain is calculated as a change in length over the original length, and strain actually has no units. Now, let's move on to some mechanical property definitions. Elastic deformation is defined as reversible changes in shape to a material due to a load. So basically, the material returns to its original shape when the load is removed. Plastic deformation is defined as irreversible changes in shape to a material due to a load. And keep in mind, unlike in elastic deformation, in plastic deformation, a material does not return to its original shape when the load is removed. Toughness is defined as the amount of energy per volume a material can absorb before failure or fracture. The calculation for toughness is area under the stress-strain curve, and the units are usually joules per meter cubed. Creep is defined as an increased load deformation with time under constant load. Load relaxation is defined as a decrease in applied stress under conditions of constant strain. Hysteresis, or energy dissipation, is characteristic of visoelastic materials where the loading curve does not follow the unloading curve, and the difference between the two curves is the energy that is dissipated. Finite element analysis is breaking up a complex shape into triangular or quadrilateral forms and balancing the forces and moments of each form to match it with its neighbor. Now, let's talk material strength, specifically the stress versus strain curve. This curve is derived from axially loading an object and plotting the stress versus the strain on the curve. So this curve has a bunch of different zones and characteristics that we'll go over now. We'll start with the elastic zone, which is the zone where a material will return to its original shape for a given amount of stress. And within the elastic zone, there is a region known as the toe region, which applies to a ligament's stress-strain curve, and this represents the straightening of the crimped ligament fibrils. The yield point is the transition between elastic and plastic deformation. The yield strength is the amount of stress necessary to produce a specific amount of permanent deformation. The plastic zone is the zone where a material will not return to its original shape for a given amount of stress. The breaking point is the area where an object fails and breaks. The ultimate tensile strength is defined as the load to failure. Hooke's law is when a material is loaded in the elastic zone and the stress is proportional to the strain. Young's modulus of elasticity is the measure of the stiffness or the ability to resist deformation of a material in the elastic zone. This is calculated by measuring the slope of the stress-strain curve in the elastic zone. Remember that a higher modulus of elasticity indicates a stiffer material. So speaking of a Young's modulus of elasticity, let's go over Young's modulus of metals and biologics. So in order of most stiff to least stiff, the relative values of Young's modulus of elasticity include number one, ceramic, two, alloy, three, stainless steel, four, titanium, five, cortical bone, six, matrix polymers, seven, P3, 
PMMA, 8 polyethylene, 9 cancellous bone, 10 tendon slash ligament, and 11 cartilage. So again, Young's modulus of elasticity is the ratio of stress to strain and represents the stiffness of a material and its ability to resist deformation when placed under tension. The important things to remember from this list that we just mentioned is that titanium has the stiffness closest to cortical bone, ceramic has the highest modulus of elasticity, making it the most stiff of the materials listed, and cartilage has the lowest modulus of elasticity, making it the least stiff of the materials listed. Now, let's move on to some material descriptions. A brittle material is a material that exhibits a linear stress-strain relationship up until the point of failure. Brittle materials undergo elastic deformation only and little to no plastic deformation. Examples include PMMA and ceramics. Ductile materials undergo large amounts of plastic deformation before failure. Examples include metal. Viscoelastic materials are materials that exhibit a stress-strain relationship that is dependent on the duration of applied load and the rate by which the load is applied, otherwise known as a strain rate, which is a function of the internal friction of a material. Examples include ligaments and bone. Isotropic materials possess the same mechanical properties in all directions. An example is a golf ball. Anisotropic materials possess different mechanical properties depending on the direction of the applied load. Examples include ligaments and bone. Now let's move on to some metal characteristics. Fatigue failure is failure at a point below the ultimate tensile strength secondary to repetitive loading. This depends on the magnitude of stress and the number of cycles. Endurance limit is defined as the maximal stress under which an object is immune to fatigue failure regardless of the number of cycles. Creep, as we previously mentioned, is a phenomenon of progressive deformation of metal in response to a constant force over an extended period of time. Corrosion refers to the chemical dissolving of metal. Types include galvanic corrosion, in which contact of dissimilar metals leads to electrochemical destruction. Mixing metals like 316L stainless steel and cobalt chromium has the highest risk of galvanic corrosion. And keep in mind that the risk of galvanic corrosion can be reduced by using similar metals. Crevice corrosion occurs in fatigue cracks due to differences in oxygen tension. 316L stainless steel is the most prone to crevice corrosion. Fretting corrosion is described as a mode of destruction at the contact site from the relative micromotion of two materials or two components. This is seen fairly commonly at the head-neck junction in hip arthroplasty, where fretting corrosion can be common. In fact, it is the most common cause of mid-stem failure in modular revision-type stems. Arthroplasty involving modular implants are at risk for fretting corrosion and failure between the components of the final implant. There is also increased risk with the increased number of interfaces between the various components. Now, let's go over some specific metals. Titanium is used in fracture plates, screws, intramedullary nails, and some femoral stems. The advantages of titanium is that it's very biocompatible, it's corrosion-resistant, and forms an adherent oxide coating through self-passivation. It also has a low modulus of elasticity, making it more similar to biologic materials such as cortical bone. Disadvantages of titanium include its poor resistance to wear, and so make sure you do not use titanium as a femoral head prosthesis. Another disadvantage of titanium is that it generates more metal debris than cobalt chrome. 
Moving on to stainless steel, the components of stainless steel is primarily an iron carbon alloy with lesser elements of chromium, molybdenum, manganese, and nickel. Advantages of stainless steel is that it's very stiff and fracture resistant. Disadvantages include that it is susceptible to corrosion and also stress shielding of the bone due to superior stiffness. Cobalt alloy is composed of cobalt, chromium, and molybdenum. Advantages include that it is very strong and that it has better resistance to corrosion than stainless steel. Specific nonmetals include ultra-high molecular weight polyethylene, and the advantages of this material is that it's tough, ductile, resilient, and resistant to wear. Disadvantages include that it's susceptible to abrasion, and the wear is usually caused by third-body inclusions. Other disadvantages include that it's thermoplastic and subsequently may be altered by extreme temperatures, and ultra-high molecular weight polyethylene is also weaker than bone in tension. Just a quick word about gamma irradiation, it increases polymer chain cross-linking, which improves wear characteristics and decreases fatigue and fracture resistance. Moving on to polymethylmethacrylate, aka PMMA, or bone cement, it's used for fixation and load distribution in conjunction with orthopedic implants. It functions by interlocking with bone, and it may be used to fill tumor defects and minimize local recurrence. PMMA is a two-component material, powder and liquid. The powder consists of polymer, benzyl peroxide, which is the initiator, barium sulfate, which is the radio opacifier, and a coloring agent that is either green chlorophyll or blue cobalt. The liquid portion consists of a monomer, DMPT or NN-dimethyl paratoludine, which is the accelerator, and hydroquinone, which is the stabilizer. Advantages of PMMA is that it reaches ultimate strength in 24 hours. It's strongest in compression, and its Young's modulus is between cortical and cancellous bone. Disadvantages of PMMA include its poor tensile and shear strength. Insertion of PMMA can lead to a dangerous drop in blood pressure, and failure is often caused by microfracture and fragmentation. Silicones are polymers that are often used for replacement in non-weight-bearing joints. Disadvantages of silicones are poor strength and wear capability, which is responsible for frequent synovitis. Ceramics have the best wear characteristics with polyethylene, and they have high compressive strength. So those are two of the advantages of ceramics, but the disadvantages include that they are typically brittle, have low fracture toughness, have a high Young's modulus, low tensile strength, and poor crack resistance characteristics. Now moving on to bone, bone is composed of collagen and hydroxyapatite. Collagen has a low Young's modulus. It also has good tensile strength, but poor compressive strength. Hydroxyapatite is stiff and brittle, but has good compressive strength. As far as the mechanical properties of bone, the advantages include that it's strongest in compression, it's a dynamic structure that remodels its geometry to increase the inner and outer cortex to alter the moment of inertia and minimize bending stresses. The disadvantage to keep in mind is that bone is weakest in shear. As far as failure or fracture of bone, tension usually leads to transverse fractures secondary to muscle pull. Compression due to axial loading will lead to a crush-type fracture. However, keep in mind that bone is strongest in resisting compression. Bending leads to a butterfly fragment. Torsion leads to a spiral fracture. And remember, the longer the bone, the greater the stresses on the outer cortex under torsion. Finally, let's talk about ligaments and tendons. 
They are viscoelastic with nonlinear elasticity. They display hysteresis or energy dissipation, which is again characteristic of viscoelastic materials where the loading curve does not follow the unloading curve. And the difference between the two curves is the energy that is dissipated or hysteresis. Advantages of ligaments and tendons are that they are strong in tension as they can withstand 5 to 10% as opposed to 1 to 4% in bone. The disadvantages of ligaments and tendons are they demonstrate creep and stress relaxation. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. First question. Which of the following is true of surgical stainless steel used in orthopedic implants? And the choices are 1. Modulus of elasticity that is less than cortical bone. 2. Highly susceptible to pitting and crevice corrosion. 3. Alloy containing mostly cobalt, chromium, and molybdenum. 4. Metal of choice for most TKA femoral components. And 5. Modulus of elasticity that is greater than cobalt chrome. The correct answer to this question is 2. Highly susceptible to pitting and crevice corrosion. So one of the main disadvantages of stainless steel is its susceptibility to corrosion, specifically pitting and crevice corrosion. To quickly review, pitting corrosion is a form of localized corrosion that leads to the creation of small holes in the metal. This process occurs due to a dissolution of the oxide layer around the implant and results in disruption to the surface of the metal. Pitting corrosion typically occurs in alloys that are protected by a passivating oxide film such as stainless steels, nickel alloys, and aluminum alloys. Crevice corrosion occurs via a similar process and is due to a change in oxygen tensions. Type 316L stainless steel specifically is an austenitic stainless steel and contains around 17% chromium, 12% nickel, and 2.5% molybdenum with carbon below 0.03%. Conversely, advantages of stainless steel are its stiffness, fracture resistance, and low price. Srinivasan et al. review modularity in femoral components in total hip arthroplasties. They report corrosion at the head-neck taper may be caused by multiple mechanisms, for example crevice, fretting, or galvanic corrosion. They conclude junctions of stainless steel necks and cobalt chromium heads were found to be more susceptible to fretting corrosion in all conditions tested, for example variation in offset, media, and cyclic loading. Elias et al. review the corrosion of metallic biomaterials. They report that the surface properties of 316L stainless steel make it highly susceptible to pitting and crevice corrosion. They conclude that compared to titanium alloys, the corrosion potential of 316L stainless steel is more active, resulting in overall higher rates of corrosion. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, modulus of elasticity that is less than cortical bone is incorrect as the modulus of elasticity of stainless steel is greater than that of cortical bone. Answer 3, alloy containing mostly cobalt, chromium, and molybdenum is incorrect as 316L stainless steel is an iron carbon alloy. Answer 4, metal of choice for most TKA femoral components is incorrect as the majority of TKA femoral components are composed of cobalt chrome alloys. And finally, answer 5, modulus of elasticity that is greater than cobalt chrome is incorrect as the modulus of elasticity of stainless steel is less than that of cobalt chrome. Moving on to the next question. The point on a stress-strain curve that separates the plastic and elastic regions is defined as which of the following? And the choices are 1. Necking region, 
2. Ultimate Strength. 3. Toughness. 4. Yield Point. And 5. Toe Region. The correct answer to this question is 4. Yield Point. So the yield point is the transition point between elastic and plastic deformation. The yield strength is defined as the amount of stress necessary to produce a specific amount of permanent deformation. Stress is the amount of force applied to a material, and strain is the deformation resulting from that stress. This is graphically depicted as a stress-strain curve, where the x-axis represents strain and the y-axis represents stress. The elastic modulus of a material is the linear region of the graph, that is rise over run, over the stress on strain. Remember, an elastic material is one that resists a change in shape, that is less strain or deformation under increasing stress. Non-linear regions include the toe region for some materials, like tendons or ligaments, and the plastic zone, which occurs after the yield point. Muntri Pragada et al. provide a review of recent advances in designing orthopedic implants. Of note, they discuss modifications to metallic implants to reduce unwanted effects, such as nickel-free stainless steel. They also go over newer alloys with desirable mechanical and biological properties, such as tantalum, niobium, zirconium, and magnesium. Kennedy et al. provide a classic in vitro tension study of the human knee ligaments. They used an Instron tension analyzer to test the ultimate failure of the medial collateral, lateral collateral, anterior cruciate, and posterior cruciate ligaments at different loading rates. They found that the posterior cruciate ligament was the strongest, and the other ligaments were all of comparable strength, and that microscopic failure occurred before macroscopic failure. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, the necking region occurs prior to failure slash fracture of a material and is a phenomenon especially associated with a ductile material. The diameter of the material is diminished prior to fracture. Answer 2, the ultimate strength is defined as the maximum stress that a solid material can withstand before failure. Answer 3, toughness is defined as the amount of energy per volume a material can absorb before fracture and is the area under the stress strain curve. And finally, answer five, the toe region is seen in materials such as ligaments and tendons and represents the straightening of the crimped ligament fibers. Moving on to the next question, which of the following types of corrosion is defined by the formation of pits, grooves, and oxide debris due to the relative micromotion between two affixed materials placed under a load? And the choices are one, crevice, two, fretting, three, galvanic, four, pitting, and five stress. The correct answer to this question is two, fretting. So fretting corrosion results from the relative micromotion between two affixed materials placed under a load and is characterized by the formation of pits, grooves, and oxide debris. This may be seen at modular junctions. The process of fretting corrosion involves the physical disruption of the passivated layer at the junction of two materials due to friction caused by micromotion under pressure. The increased surface roughness and release of metallic oxide debris may then, in turn, lead to other types of corrosion, such as crevice corrosion. Fretting corrosion has been described at the head-neck junction in total hip arthroplasty, and the risk is increased with an increasing number of component interfaces. Brown et al. described fretting corrosion within the context of modular hip tapers. The authors note that while modularity increases versatility, this comes at the cost of interfacial corrosion, which may result in both device failure as well as the release of metal ions with local soft tissue reactions. 
They conclude that longer neck extension was associated with increased fretting corrosion and that this can potentially be mitigated by increasing the stability of the interface. Goldberg et al. performed in vitro corrosion testing of modular hip tapers. The authors found that once fretting corrosion created an environment suitable for crevice corrosion, corrosion continued regardless of continued mechanical loading. They concluded that mechanical loading had a significant impact on initiating the corrosion process. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, crevice corrosion is a localized electrochemical process that results from trapping and stagnation of a corrodent between either two metal surfaces or metal and nonmetal surfaces. The low oxygen content within the crevice creates a relative electronegative environment compared to the environment outside of the crevice, which acts as a cathode due to higher oxygen content and pH. Answer 3, galvanic corrosion is an electrochemical reaction resulting from two metals of dissimilar electrode potentials in electrical contact with one another through a conductive electrolyte media. One metal is a relative anode and the other is a cathode. This is generally not an issue for metals with less than 0.15 volts difference in anodic index even in harsh environments. Answer 4, pitting corrosion is an autocatalytic process that results from depassivation of small areas of metal with the formation of small holes or pits. This is a localized galvanic corrosion process in which the small area acts as a relative anode and the metal surface as a cathode. Finally, answer 5, stress corrosion or stress corrosion cracking is the formation of fine microscopic cracks resulting from high tensile stress combined with a corrosive environment and elevated temperatures. This may also result from rapid temperature cycling, causing rapid expansion slash contraction of the metal. This may be a consideration during the manufacturing process of implants, but is not seen in vivo. And moving on to the final question, what is the most likely mechanism for failure of a modular revision total hip arthroplasty femoral implant at the mid-stem junction? And the choices are 1. Electrochemical destruction due to the association of dissimilar metals. 2. Fatigue cracks due to differences in oxygen tension. 3. Micromotion at the contact site between two components. 4. Pit formation causing a decrease in thickness at affected sites. And 5. Selective attack at the grain boundaries within the metal. The correct answer to this question is 3. Micromotion at the contact site between two components. So fretting corrosion, which describes a mode of destruction from the relative micromotion of two materials, is the most common cause for mid-stem implant failure after total hip arthroplasty using a modular revision type stem. To quickly review, fretting is a type of corrosion and wear caused by load and repeated relative micromotion of two implants or implant components. Though an uncommon complication, arthroplasty involving modular implants are at risk for such motion between the components of the final implant because of the increased number of interfaces between the various components. Any of these interfaces can be the site of increased wear and implant failure. Laxdean et al. analyzed six mid-stem modular implant failures comparing them to 165 controls. They found evidence of fretting fatigue as well as a bending moment. They also note elevated BMI and inadequate proximal bone stock as risk factors for such failure. Butaro et al. presents a case of fatigue fracture in a proximally modular, distally tapered, fluted implant with diaphyseal fixation. They concluded that fatigue failure was the cause of this complication, emphasizing the reduced proximal femoral bone stock in this patient. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, 
Answer 1. Electrochemical destruction due to the association of dissimilar metals is incorrect, as this describes galvanic corrosion. Answer 2. Fatigue cracks due to differences in oxygen tension is incorrect, as this describes crevice corrosion. Answer 4. Pit formation causing a decrease in thickness at affected sites is incorrect, as this describes pitting corrosion. And finally, answer 5. Selective attack at the grain boundaries within the metal is incorrect, as this describes intergranular corrosion. That's all for this review about material properties. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on orthobullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the OrthoBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the OrthoBullets podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you aren't already, be sure to follow OrthoBullets on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow right here on the OrthoBullets podcast.